Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Stop Being the Best Kept Secret. I am your host, Dr. Tana M. Session, organizational strategist, HR consultant, DEIB thought leader, author, and speaker. And I'm pleased today to have Nicole Durio Felder with me. And I'm going to give her an opportunity to share with you exactly who is Nicole? What does Nicole do? What problems does Nicole solve in this world? So Nicole, I'm going to hand the mic over to you. Thank you so much, Tana, for having me. My name again is Nicole Durio Felder. I've been a CPA for almost 30 years. So being a CPA is my credential but I'm an advisor and business consultant by profession. So I solve many problems by offering tailor-made solutions for my clients. And our firm is a CFO advisory services firm. So we do anything that's germane to the dollar, the treasury function, cash, or anything that impacts it. So that covers a very, very large wheelhouse. So there's not a lot that we don't do outside of valuations. That's great, Nicole. And one thing I thought was intriguing is you don't usually see a lot of people who look like you in finance. So tell us a little bit about how you got into finance and becoming a CPA and doing the work that you do. Sure, absolutely. So initially, my, my first desire for a profession was to be a medical doctor. And it did not take me a long time to realize I was just too emotionally invested or vested and sensitive to work in that profession. I did not want to be able or have to go to a family and tell them there was nothing else we could do or to offer bad news. Mm. My second choice was going to be an attorney. And once I realized the amount of reading and reading and reading, <laughs> And realizing that was not a strength either. I called my dad. I said, dad, I'm here at school, but I'm not really sure what I should be doing. And we talked through it. And he said, well, the newest CEO of my firm was a partner at Arthur Anderson. Mm -hmm. And at the time, of course, there was Big 8. I said, uh, accounting partner, a CEO? So I started researching and looking into it and the opportunities that were available and decided I thought that would be a good fit for me because my mother had worked in the banking industry for 41 years. So she had been in banking, credit and finance, and I had a really good grasp and handle on it. And then the other thing, I wanted to have a profession that could not be automated. Mm. Um, you, cannot, you can automate accounting functions but you cannot automate the work, the analytics, the compilations of an accounting. The mind of an accountant can't be automated. And I also wanted to do a profession that was everywhere in every organization. Accounting is the heart of every organization, whether you're in retail, hospitality, the sports industry, music, entertainment, oil and gas, healthcare. They all have an accounting department. You're so right. Those are, back in my day, they would call them bean counters, but they're also mm -hmm. the ones that keep the finances flowing, including payroll uh, for organizations. And that was such great advice that your dad gave you. And oh, by the way, people, I know you cannot see Nicole, but let me just tell you, she's a beautiful black woman. Okay, so let me leave with that. That's why I said, you don't really see a lot of people who look like you in this field. Um, so with that, you know, I remember when I was in high school and I was really good at math. 
And my guidance counselor suggested that when I go to college that I look into accounting. And they had accounting as an elective in my, I think my junior year. And so I took an accounting course when I was a junior in high school, really liked it, took the next course in the next year, really liked it, went to college and hated it. <laughs> Everyone says that. So let me give you two clarifying points and not to take anything away from the high school professional, but accounting is not math. Mm. Accounting is analytics yes. and thinking and it's, uh, it's act, I mean, it's really, it's just analytics. It's mm -hmm. analytics, it's assessments, it's thinking, it's connecting the dots and triangulating. And one thing I've found is that there are certain professions that require a certain mindset. So for example, my dad is in information technology and he tried to teach me information technology when he <laughs> after I was an accountant. And I think I quit after like six days. I'm like that. <laughs> I, I, I do not understand what this business intelligence is and this tool, because all I got to do is put it in Excel and I get an answer. So it <laughs> has to be trained a certain way to be a great accountant. Mm -hmm. I always tell people, Tana, I said, I don't know any good CPAs, but if you're looking for a great one, they can call me. Mm. And so I think that there has to be something that is different and that stands out. I have a mantra that your significance is in your difference and you're never going to be impactful or influential being and looking and doing what everyone else is doing. So true. So true. And when you mentioned uh, you're tipping your toe into the legal field, I had to chuckle because I'm in my second year of law school. So you're right. It's a lot of reading. I have reading to do when this interview's over. So you're constantly reading. I told my husband, I think my eyelids are starting to droop from all of this reading I'm doing. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. Um, but I, so actually am, I, I actually am a bootleg attorney. A bootleg? And what, <laughs> and what I mean by that is I can read and write contracts and agreements. I understand them very well. Mm -hmm. So there have been many instances throughout my career because attorneys and CPAs work very closely together that I've written contracts and had them just approve it for maybe legalese and legal language and then sign their signature. But mm -hmm. I always get, oh, this is really good. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. this is good, this is good, so. Oh yeah, I, I think- the best of both worlds. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you. They definitely work hand in hand. And yeah, I tell everyone, if you don't do anything else, learn how to write and read a contract. <laughs> Because after going through it for a year, I was like, oh, contracts are tricky. Like the things you overlook that you don't really think about are the ones that will get you. <laughs> it's always that fine print mm -hmm. and the nuances that are at the end or when they have the notations like the B's and the, the mm -hmm. letters in, in parentheses. Yeah, that's always probably going to lead you into a rabbit hole. Yeah, the boilerplate language. Yep, exactly. Mm -hmm. So tell us about your ideal client. Who's some? What are some of the industries or the clients that you work with? You know, I really do not have an ideal client, mm -hmm. Tana. And the reason being is when you've worked on over 500 transactions and you've been in this industry for 30 years, right now, for me, it's all based on chemistry and fit because um, I tell people all the time, you want to guess what's better than the money I make? <laughs> what's that? The money I get to walk away from. 
So, so, so clients don't just interview me. I interview them. That part. And I walk away from a lot more than I keep just because if it's something that doesn't make sense, it's not impactful. It just, it, I, I just, I, I don't do it. And, and I turn down small engagements and large engagements. So I don't have an ideal client. It's really based on, on chemistry and fit. Mm, that makes a whole lot of sense. I feel the exact same way. And mm -hmm. it's such an empower, a sense of empowerment when you can say no and walk away because all money is mm -hmm. not good money. And mm -hmm. sometimes those clients will be the ones that are the biggest pains in the you know what. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> but it's not even it's not even the all money is good money. It's just it for me, it's more about energy, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want I don't want anything in my space that's not gonna get the right energy. Mm -hmm. And I don't do stressful money. I don't like tight deadlines. I don't, you know, I, I left corporate America, so I didn't have to work 80 hours a week. So mm -hmm. just things like that. I just, I, I, I don't, it really comes down to, to stress and again, chemistry and fit. Beautiful. And tell us a bit about your journey. So you were in corporate and then mm -hmm. you decided to leave. Why? And um, what made you decide to start your own business? Mm -hmm. So I did decide to leave corporate. Corporate left me. Okay. On September 5th, 2008, when Lehman Brothers collapsed, it was one of the largest investment banking firms on Wall Street. Of course, working in the financial industry and capital markets, my clients suspended their investment and acquisition programs. I had almost a, a $3 million book of business. And when that happened, literally, literally two months from like eight weeks from the date. I got my white notice and my package, and I um, I was a part of, uh, it was called a reduction in force, but it really wasn't a reduction in force because it was just more of market changes, and it's difficult. No, no one's going to keep someone with a $240,000 annual salary not making any money, right? Mm -hmm. So it was like the writing was on the wall, and, and I was okay with it. Why was I okay with it? A lot of things had happened. It had been a long and a good run. I had been at the firm eight years. Eight is the number of new beginnings. And I was really ready to embrace the change because even before that happened that summer, I was almost at a point of exhaustion with my career, with going. Uh, my, my career spans 15 countries and five continents. Wow. And it was a it, it was a lot. And, and I wasn't really burnt out as much as I was just, well, maybe I was burnt out because I was just tired. I just wanted something new. Mm -hmm. The summer before I got laid off from July to August, I cried every single day all the way to work. And the reason I was crying is because I had spoke to my father about the possibility of retire or, or leaving and doing something else. And of course, that makes absolutely no sense to some. Like, why would you walk away from a $240,000 a year job? Like, mm -hmm. who does that, right? And this is like 2008. And I'm like, I am so over the money. I'm just like, I just mm -hmm. want to work when I want to work and do what I want to do. So, so that was something that was divine. And so when it happened, I knew then God had given me an opportunity to to do something different, do something else. And I decided I was going to take my tags, T-A-G-S, talents, abilities, gifts, and skills, 
and utilize them for smaller businesses, churches, and not-for-profits. Beautiful. And again, empowering, right? So being able to walk away from a paycheck like that. And that oftentimes I call them the invisible handcuffs that stops a lot of people from thinking and dreaming bigger and better for themselves and thinking that they have to do certain things in order to keep that dollar, right? I, I too left corporate America at a very high salary, you know, very similar to yours, you know, 250 plus a 25% bonus. It was sweet. Uh, yeah, but what sweet. I what I had to give up for for that was mm -hmm. what I had to do some soul searching about, you know, and, and I left corporate and never looked back because of the same yeah. things. Like I wanted to be empowered. I didn't want to um, you know, be in situations where I wasn't feeling seen, valued, heard. And I love your tags, you know, taking all of that and saying, I could use this for myself. You know, I'm helping these companies make millions right now. Um, and, you know, it wasn't an easy road. It was, it was billions. Yeah, billions. There you go. I know Lehman. I, I'm from New York. And I remember when all that happened. Trust me, I was down on Wall Street and I was like, wow, I can't believe them. Bear Stearns and all these other companies are just closing their doors. And, you know, it is it is a point where I think everyone hopefully, you know, decides for themselves what's working and what's not and knowing what their healthy boundaries are. And that's one of the things I admire about the younger generation. They're very clear about that up front. Um, mm -hmm. And they're so emboldened with it and people call it entitlement or lazy. No, it's not. You know, they really know what works for them and what doesn't. And, and they're very clear about that. And I think that seeing people like their parents, which are probably from my generation, Gen X, or maybe even boomers, and seeing what their experiences were like in corporate and hearing them talk around the dinner table, they're like, I don't, I don't want to work like that. And I remember my son telling me that when he was in ninth grade. And I was like, what do you mean? Me working right. like this is keeping a roof over our heads. And he's like, but, but you don't like what you do. He's like, you get up at four in the morning and you commute two hours and you don't come home till nine o'clock at night. And on the weekends, you just want to sleep. And I'm like, wow, the way he's describing it sounds miserable, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Tana, one thing, one thing I learned and I know, and my life is simple because I have so many life philosophies that I operate and utilize. So decision-making for me is very simple. But one of the things I know and I tell people, anything you're unwilling to walk away from will control you. Mm -hmm. You're so right. And that's speaking to someone who has been divorced twice. So you are so right, Nicole, on so many levels. <laughs> okay, so tell us, um, how can people reach you? What's the best way for them to learn more about you, get in touch with you, and, you know, tap into your genius? Sure. So on a professional level, I am the founder and managing principal of Madison Brothers Consulting Group, Inc., the website address is Madison Brothers, spelled out, B-R-O-T-H-E-R-S, just like Warner Brothers, Toll Brothers, Hasbro Brothers, dot mm -hmm. com. And my personal website, where I am a financial and money coach, is NicoleMichelle.com. Wonderful. Any final thoughts before we wrap up, Nicole? This has been a fun, engaging conversation. Uh, it's been great uh, seeing some parallels in your story and mine. Um, but any final thoughts you want to leave with the audience today? Absolutely. I often tell people, if life gives you lemons, make mango lemonade, peach lemonade, strawberry lemonade, raspberry lemonade. <laughs> and it does not matter where you're going. It's where you come from. It's where you're going. Mm -hmm. You can always rewrite your story. And the only thing you have to do is start in the middle, which is right where you are. I love that, Nicole. 
wonderful wise words to leave everyone with. Everyone, Nicole Durio Felder, thank you so much for being on Stop Being the Best Kept Secret. I'm your host, Dr. Tana M. Session, organizational strategist, HR and OD consultant, and DEIB thought leader. Thank you, everyone, and look forward to seeing you at the next episode.